is not a recruitment podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Powered by People podcast. Um, I am joined by Rex Rustling. Good uh, morning. The co-founder and my partner in crime at the Rec Hub. And uh, the queen, as we have just dubbed, the queen of personal branding, Manjuri. Um, before we get stuck into such an exciting topic uh, of personal branding, Manjuri, why don't you just introduce yourself to our uh, our listeners? Yeah. Uh, good morning. and I'm For a second super, time, sorry. Super excited <laughs> to be here. Um, first time, second time. Three time. And yeah, I'm super excited as well. You added a layer of excitement with the queen <laughs> branding as such. Um, so I'm, I'm Manjari Sinha. And if I'm good at personal branding, probably you know who I am. Exactly. But, okay. And let me just tone it down. Um <laughs> Uh, what do I do? Uh, well, I take care of everything talent for OLX, which is a, a marketplace, a classifieds platform, and I take care of everything talent acquisition, employer branding, talent development, as well as DEI. Uh, pretty exciting role. Big uh, role. Super big role, yes. Uh, that's why I have Manic Mondays as such. Uh, that's just the occupational hazard. Um, but yeah, all things aside... Uh, before this, I've worked with companies like Zalando, have uh, uh, scaled, uh, really proud of having scaled the tech team there, and uh, have worked with companies like Accenture back home in India. And I moved to Europe in 2014, and this was for love. Um, at least I tell people that this was for love. <laughs> uh, but yeah, actually it was. Um, and yeah, and it's been pretty much history since then. Um on my personal side, I love to travel. Uh, I love to try out different cuisines, which you can definitely see on me. Um, and I'm a big fan of wine and everything which is good under the sun, I guess. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's me. Fantastic. Um, and as I briefly mentioned, we're going to be talking a bit about personal branding. Um, you're a big character on the TA scene and on the, the, the circuit of every, you're speaking at every event. Every time <laughs> I go to an event, Manjuri speaking. Um, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, I think it'd be interesting to kick off maybe by starting, why do we think personal branding is important? Because I see that it's, it's a real rising topic, particularly amongst TA leaders. So why do you think it's important to you, Manjuri? Well, I think, um, it's interesting. It starts from, uh, starts from a basic question that all of us ask as TA leaders and even TA professionals that, um, how do you get that seat at the table? Yeah. And I usually believe in this philosophy of you talk about your performance currency, mm -hmm. which is definitely what you do, what you deliver. So you cannot get to a particular stage unless you really deliver what is asked yes. of and what's needed. Mm. That's, that's baseline. You have to be authentic. But the second aspect of getting that seat at the table and getting asked on what should we do? How should this happen? Um, even from the aspect of workforce planning, just starting from there, talks about a little bit of respect as an expert and yeah. validation. And um, maybe it's unfortunate, but in our field of uh, occupation of talent, especially for talent acquisition, the expertise, first of all, is kind of respected and acknowledged externally. 
Yeah. And then somehow companies respect that. Yeah. That yes, you know, you are um, sought out uh, by others and you are advising others, etc. That means there's something in you. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's uh, really interesting. I've been delivering for you for the past three years. You didn't <laughs> think about that, but this is more interesting to you. So I think that's that's one way of looking at things on the stakeholder side and getting your seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that our profession has, we don't go to school for this profession. No. Even when I did my MBA in HR, I don't even remember if recruitment was teeny tiny bit yeah. part of it. You're taught org design. You're taught... Yeah talent development, you're taught different models of learning, but nobody ever teaches you recruitment and TA. And that's another aspect of your team and folks that you that want to work with you Mm. respect you once they understand, you know, this is the person coming from this kind of expertise. This is what they know. Um, Yeah, I think these are the two reasons that I see. And the third, it's super, super important also for your own development. Yeah. Because when you put yourself out there, you have others also sharing with you. And I think that's really precious in our field of work. For sure. I think it's really interesting, actually, because you cannot develop uh, you know, a successful personal brand without having first built a sort of a reputation for delivery. You know? Yeah. You know, yes. you have to have something to yes. talk about. Yeah. That, that's where the authenticity comes into it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's really interesting what you were saying about um, for you, a big reason um, for TA leaders to have a really strong personal brand is is actually because in our field, you almost have to show the rest of the world yep. what you can do yep. so it can be recognized at times in your own business. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Um, you know, usually speaking, it's the it's the other way around in other professions where, you, you know, everybody, for example, knows what an amazing financial director you are internally. Yeah. They don't know. Uh, but the rest of the world doesn't know that um, unless you're putting your hand up to go to conferences and things. I wonder, um, you know, how leaders within the business, and maybe you can talk from our Alexis perspective. Yeah. Do, do you think that there's uh, uh, an interest from OLX for you to develop your own personal brand? If you as a leader uh, within a community mm-hmm. and recognized uh, as, a, as a, you know, a leader within a community actually supports OLX's sort of business targets as such. Yeah, and and um, I'm definitely thankful for that as well. Yeah. So with a company like OLX, they are interested in all of us. I mean, I'm not the only one. There are a couple of other yeah. folks in our um, organization who are really out there. Um, I know some of our UX leaders are out there, et cetera, building a brand for themselves, for the company, for yeah. what we do, et cetera. So yes, that support is there. Mm, sure. That encouragement is also there. And we would, from a branding perspective, love that because when you, as an employee advocate, it just amplifies the advocacy yeah. there. Um, and there are certain uh, uh, organizations that really go beyond, and I can talk about my previous organization. That's where I also started getting a flair for this. Yeah, You can have two parts to your personal brand. This is a lot, yes. Two parts to your personal brand because one is, yes, when you go out with, for example, if I go out with my OLX personal brand, of course, I have to align with the uh, values, the leadership behaviors. But then there's a Manjuri personal brand where I can have my own rhetoric and certain things that I believe in or I want to pitch, etc. Consistent with you through all of the organizations. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's the flair that I'm really happy that Zalando helped us build as well in the, yeah. the initial days. Um, of course, they're great with their consumer branding, marketing, yeah. so that kind of 
flows into their employer branding marketing as well. When was it, would you say, that that specifically started to become something you were thinking about consciously? Um, so, like, when did you decide to think, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to start building my personal brand. I need to be more out there in the public sphere. That's a very good question, Rex. And I remember this moment so well. Uh, we're sitting very close to that office. We used to be at the Malstrasse office right down the road. Um, and this was our Zalando office for tech. Uh, we had this session with Katrina Collier in 2015, mm-hmm. beginning of 2016. And the session was all about sourcing, but it was also about creating your personal brand to create that um, credibility so that your reach outs, your response rates are higher when you reach out to someone. It started from there. Really? And interestingly, uh, when Katrina was talking about you were going and checking out um, the social profile for a candidate when you want to reach out, the candidate also checks you out. Mm. And your credibility matters a lot. That was an interesting starting phase uh, for me. And then over time, a couple of, uh, I think a year down, uh, someone in the in the industry or some a, a tech leader I was working with said, you have a lot to share. Why don't you? And that was another nudge that uh, kind of happened, and yeah, that's that's that was my first yeah. ever push that uh, I and got. How long do you think you've been sort of really actively working on your personal brand? I would say since two thousand and sixteen end. Two thousand sixteen end is when I started. It doesn't happen overnight, does it? It does. It has to be super consistent. Super yeah. consistent. Um, authenticity is a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, be, I mean, being yourself is a big part of it, but it requires a lot of work on really seeing what works, what doesn't work, mm. how much time you need to give into testing. it. <laughs> A/B testing is yeah. a, is is a lot. Sometimes yeah. you feel that you put a very, and this is this is like so just probably human behavior, right? You put a very intelligent uh, post out, or you analyze this article, and you yeah. put that post out, and you get. What, zero ten, even not zeros, okay, ten likes, no one comments, and then you put a bizarre, probably a random meme out with a, with a, with a Mandalorian or a Yoda, yeah. and then you have 100 likes, look what's wrong with the world. Yeah. Okay, this works, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, all jokes apart, you really have to A-B test what works with your audience, what kind of audience are you connecting with. Hmm. Um, I think also just on that on yeah. that topic, it's really interesting because, you know, personal branding is so closely aligned to just general marketing, right? Mm-hmm. You're just marketing yourself. Um, but, you know, not always um, you might put out a, a, a post that doesn't get huge levels of, of uh, sort of, surface level engagement likes and, and and as such but as if it's resonating with the audience that you're you know that you're trying to resonate with then it potentially is building upon because i think sometimes people can be quite quick to cut to a, a, a clickbait yep. piece of post yeah yeah that's yeah. going to get some likes but it, right. is it is it getting the the engagement with the audience that you're trying to connect with or is yeah. it just getting likes from hundreds of people that have no real interest in, in developing that relationship and connection with what the, the sort of more regular content is that you're putting out there. Like, and and yeah. uh, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say that you mentioned earlier that one of the re- one of the benefits for you was also the fact that, like, when you're sharing your knowledge with um, a growing network, mm-hmm. that's more and more touch points that can share knowledge back. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so when you're doing these sort of like clickbait, you know, memes, um, they might be great at like building 
profile, but they're maybe not necessarily the kind of like thought leadership pieces absolutely that, that would get a deeper connection. Absolutely, to and even, even um, consistency, right? You've got to be consistent with varying content to keep it interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah, consistent and and not the I mean the likes, comments, measures. They're not the ultimate measure of this, and that's that's the interesting bit, uh, Harry, when you said. You might put out some content or you've been posting something and it didn't get enough traction in terms of numbers. Um, there's a part and piece of something that I uh, usually or sometimes do is talking about how recruiters can grow or into TA leaders or even other parts of HR, etc. This doesn't get as much traction as some of the other pieces uh, yeah. of content. However, a couple of, and this was post-pandemic, through the pandemic, there were some, uh, some of these posts that I had done. And post-pandemic, uh, when we started getting back into live events, conferences, and meetups, I remember meeting two to three uh, recruiters who had just started their career or had moved from another country to Berlin, had started their career. Mm. And they came up and said that, please keep posting that content because it helped me no. to figure something out in a new country. And and this this was something as I can't quantify it. But that was interesting to know, okay, now I got a boost now. That means it's actually making an impact. Impacting. Exactly. Having a difference. And that that's uh, one of my next sort of question was going to be, what do you think some of the benefits are to actually, you know, you've obviously spent since 2016 a lot of time and energy creating a consistent uh, message uh, and sometimes just the, the work rate that you have to do yeah. to, to sort of, Coming up with content is not easy and, and, you know, sharing the knowledge that you have isn't. So you spend a lot of time and energy. What do you think some of the benefits are? That's obviously one of them is like, how what great feeling for someone to come up and be like, you helped me so much. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of uh, got some ideas, but what, what sort of have you seen as some of the benefits? I think benefits, first of all, let me, let me say, and this is all caveats, it's what my husband says, that I'm a narcissist. Yeah. So this kind of feeds into this, but that's his tale, right? So you can you can credit this to him. Um, no, okay, so uh, jokes about benefits, like like you're right, uh, right now just said, you know, it's it's impacting people. Yeah. And that's something that I, I'm really happy about. Mm. The second one that I've heard is uh, voicing fears or voicing things that usually people wouldn't do in 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 an open environment or something yep. like that um calling certain things out you know what's going on i think we i was i did a podcast with uh, chad and cheese and I, that's where i spoke about this um, elephants um, in the room kind of a mm. question for last year which was the tech winter and uh, rex like you said four seasons of the tech winter yeah um and and i and i was questioning the fact that every every function in an organization thinks about giving a lot of advice to hr ta talent yep but a lot of this under planning and over planning that happened over the past year before the tech winter was finance as well yeah nobody ever questions that department or that function right and we were talking about real hardcore stuff. And, and when some when some folks came back with feedback, they said, we all know, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Thanks for putting it out there. Yeah. So that's the second one that a lot, sometimes people have fear about speaking out on some some things. And then they say, okay, you, you're doing this, then I can validate that. Yeah. So second uh, advantage. Third is opening some topics as well, which people yep. are not super comfortable uh, it's not about the fear, but generally they're not comfortable. Okay, can we discuss yep. this? Are we addressing this, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so these are these are I think couple of benefits for couple, that I've seen. 
personally, I think it's a huge benefit. It's a yeah. huge benefit. I even today, I see this when I talked about the fact that you have a performance currency. Yeah. Yours is a relationship currency, but you also have a brand to yourself yeah. in our profession, especially mm -hmm. for talent acquisition. Um, with so many redundancies. Today, when I see that people either are going two ways, one, setting up things for themselves. Yep. It's your brand. It'll help you. 100%. Yes, 100%. You, yeah. you reach out, like you said, Rex, right? You're throwing things into the community. Yep. Now, when you reach out and you need that help, it'll come back. It'll up. come back. Do I, yeah. And third is, even if you are looking for your next gig and a next job, you have that credibility because... Just imagine today our uh, profession has more people looking out for jobs than jobs in the market. For sure. So what is the differentiating factor? Exactly that, yeah. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, there's a lot of visibility on our profession as well. So, yeah. yes, uh, that validation, that credibility. So these are things that definitely come through this. And like, you know, like we sort of briefly mentioned, um, uh, sort of the, the circuit of talks that you're on. Mm-hmm having those opportunities right and, and being asked to be a part of those yep. those events just fun it's you hard know, it's, it's just fun it's, it's also an uh, opportunity to uh impact in a different way so i was super happy because last year was my first year in unleash uh when i uh was a part of a panel with uh with pat Odler and um, the fun thing was this year they also asked me to be on their advisory board for the program. Fantastic! So I was like, yay! So I can actually get to see speakers that yeah. that are super cool that I've heard in other conferences, and I can recommend. Of course, they do the final selection, but That's I can recommend whole other, whole other aspect. Right. It's like yeah. a development opportunity for you to continue learning and growing. Absolutely, experiencing new things. Yeah. Absolutely, and and uh, you cannot take away the fact that even if you get a Five minutes with someone like Josh Person in one of these uh, one of these uh, conferences, or you know, just be called out. Okay, you can be a part of a roundtable with one of the great speakers and all that. Yeah. I think that's that's another learning experience altogether. Oh, so so with all of this, it's it's a lot. Um, and when you couple that with the fact that you have a very big role at OLX, um, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this podcast thinking well, I'm too busy to spend this time on my personal brand. How do, how do you balance having a very big role here at OLX with also being able to grow a strong personal brand? I think uh, an, an excellent question. Um, and I've seen a couple of my colleagues also do the same. Uh, I can I can at least say that, you know, being I don't have children, so probably that's one area where I can <laughs> contribute, to, contribute to my personal brand there. But I've also seen my own colleagues who have children also do the same thing. It's it's about uh, trade-offs. It's about the time. Of course, you don't compromise on your day job. Mm. But how do you couple it with your day job? So, of yeah. course, I take care of branding as well uh, with, with my team. So that's another way of coupling this uh, with my day job. When I, when I was probably 2016-17 in an IC role at that point of time, that was also the beginning when I started with investing in my personal yeah. brand. I used to give more time to this. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now I scale back sometimes. For example, probably the last two years, I haven't attended as many or uh, spoken at as many conferences as I would have, you know, previous to that year or something like yeah. that. Also, uh, during the pandemic, I think it was an advantage in a way because well, everything so. was uh, online yeah. and webinar format so you can you can still do it in the middle of the day and yeah. uh, evening and especially if you are looking at events which are post your work day I think those are the best so mm, yeah, after 6pm etc 
Um, but the consistency, you need to think about how it flows up and down sometimes. Simple examples of people who are looking and building their brand through LinkedIn. You can see how your uh, profile views are going up and down. Yep. What is your threshold? And then you can, of course, with LinkedIn, the best part is you can plan your content. Yeah. So you sit, uh, give that half an hour, 45 minutes in a week. That's all that you need. Once you've reached that consistent level, and then you can plan your content through the through the week to post. Of course, there's something uh, which pops up very hot or something like that that one, that you want to share, and you can share out as well. Test your audience. I think it's very cool to test your audience. What I've seen in the last seven, eight months, there's also an interest uh, from the audience on not just reading long posts, mm. but getting very conversational. And I think that's yeah. also why people listen to podcasts these days, right? Um, so that conversational bit putting out two lines, sharing your thought also sometimes just starts an, exactly, starts yeah. an engagement and conversation. Saw an amazing one recently where um, like a head of TA just, just literally posed a question um, to his network about the benefits of like embedded talent acquisition, I think it was. Uh, it was embedded v, um, VFTC, Sean Heinen. Yeah. Yeah, it was a sure. shout, shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean. <laughs> but it was just amazing. It was such a long... Maybe we'll get you on the podcast. Yeah. There's <laughs> such a long feed of people contributing. And I feel like everybody who read that thread learned something. Yeah. Massively. Yeah. Um, so I obviously just posted a meme. But... <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you can be naughty as well. So yeah. uh, the uh, there are controversial posts, right? So yeah, you yeah, put yeah. out a controversial post. I think re recently, a, couple, a week ago, I put out this... It, there was an article talking about the only revenue-generating part of HR is talent acquisition, mm. which is fair. You can impact time to hire, especially for sales, marketing, revenue-generating revenue roles, and hence you are impacting the bottom line and the top line. And you could see a lot of comments on it. There were you know, folks from TA who could feel for it, yes. who understood why I said that, because I didn't really outline the time to hire bit. Yeah. But then you also had people who are not from TA who had some hate against it, and then you had those <laughs> trolls too there. But that's that's the fun part that's of it. That's positive yeah. friction. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you're creating debate, right? And, exactly. And you're you're, exactly. you're allowing people to share their views, and and I think that's the coolest part of having a platform like like yours. At some point, your building your personal brand will change, right? In terms of how you do it. Yeah. You're initially going to start off by um, particularly for us is developing a regular and consistent post mm -hmm. process on, on LinkedIn and, and, and whatever other platforms you, you operate on. And then it starts moving into talks and, and yep. opportunities like yep. that. When did you, did you go out to actively pursue speaking opportunities or were they because of your sort of, consistency through LinkedIn was you getting asked to be on them or how did that sort of come around the first one was something that I reached out to so it was oh, really? more, yeah so I saw this uh, it was a conference that was happening in Denmark but they mm. do they used to do these uh, it was in an unconference format so I ah, okay. attended one of the unconferences with uh, uh, Bill Borman in our uh, Berlin office so I like the format and that's where it's more open and you're right not, you know, not, not there on the stage and so and so forth. It's not that scary for the first time. Um, so I reached out to this uh, conference convener that this person had, I think, reached out for some other uh, project or something. That's how I knew that, OK, this person is um, actually hosting the conference. 
And I said, hey, uh, what's up? Do you think uh, you need uh, more speakers in our conference? And he was like, yeah, why not? Let's let's have a mix and you want to come over? Then I checked with my lead at that time. He said, yeah, sure. Uh, go ahead and represent our company, no problem. And that's how it started. That was the first one where I had to ask. Mm-hmm. But I think after that, it's never been a uh, touch wood. It's never been an ask. So so then you just, you obviously you obviously smashed it and done a fantastic job. You smashed and then... it. And I, I think it was also, you know, uh, I still know a couple of people that I met in that conference. So really? there. Um, then there were conferences which I attended. For example, HR Vision was a conference that I attended in Amsterdam once. Um, and and this is so interesting. A lot of people don't understand the value sometimes of visibility as well. So yeah. in uh, in one of the sessions, and you go away from the keynote when you have the smaller sessions, um, there were a couple of times when, uh, you know, I'd asked a few questions. And it was super interesting when next year the event started, the uh, people who were organizing the event reached out and said, hey, a couple of people noticed you, they want to hear from you. Wow. So do you want to be a part of, so it starts with, do you want to be a part of the panel? And then they'll say, do you want to be a part of the small talk, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how it's kind of started. So that was just, you just engaging with other speakers? Yes. As yes. part of the audience? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before, actually. And, you know, some people suggest in a in a digital format, you should be doing the same on LinkedIn, right? So just posting your content is one way, mm-hmm. one aspect of, of how you have to, you know, build your personal brand, but engaging with with the network that you want to be a part of, um, through engaging with their comments, their yep. posts, is is another thing. You just did that in real life. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 uh, as you as you rightly said, it really also helps on um, doing the same thing on on social media as well with LinkedIn, especially with some renowned speakers or yeah. people who are really credible. I can talk about John Laslika. He puts a lot of good content on TA mm-hmm. out. And when you add your, and he usually welcomes everyone to say, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So when you add your thoughts, you'll see the uh, reaction, the debate, etc. Usually you'll have one comment and then 10 to 12 comments on the reaction, debate, etc. Right there, it's like a mini event happening. Yeah, on sure. His so yeah, pretty interesting. Who is that, sorry? Uh, John Lastlika. He is ex uh, uh, VP of uh, recruiting for Amazon. He was the person who was on the Bar Razor committee, and then now he consults uh, companies. He was also working with uh, OLX. We had a talent advisory training with him, etc. So, ah, brilliant. I think, I think um, the topic of personal brand for TA leaders has become a lot more important over the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, l- like you were saying. The you know the tech winter that lasted four seasons. Um, <laughs> it actually who, did you coin that your film? Yeah, he, said, he said that himself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it it just seems to me that um, people have had time to invest in personal brand recently. Yeah, yeah. and I think that um, there's been a lot of communities developing, uh, which has given rise and enabled a lot of people to work on their personal brand. Um, so I think that. Um, now we're perhaps moving into a situation where you almost can't be a TA leader that doesn't think about your personal brand. Yep, um, yep, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, any leader, you know, from from our perspective, from leaders of business, from, uh, you know, I think there are more probably business development benefits to mm-hmm. building personal brands. Someone always says, you know, you don't follow... Uh, 
you don't follow Microsoft, you follow Bill Gates. Yeah, you know that absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's some some truth in that, right? Um, yeah, you know what you were saying about like the authenticity. You know, you've got your OLX and you've also got your Manjuri, and you need you need to be like um, connecting with people on a personal mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. That, that's yeah, what gets them interest one hundred percent in in your personal people program. by people in every absolutely. industry in the world. People buy from people, and to to whether it's you're selling a, a service or a product or you're selling a yourself in in a in a you know a branding perspective or you're selling the value that you have to give to to a community or whether you're selling um an opportunity to come and work in your team yep. you know people want to know who you are and um and and you know what what you believe in ultimately because uh, that's 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 the window into someone, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I think it's really really important for for leaders across business at the moment. Um, but in TA, it, I feel like the rise uh, certainly over the last couple of years is is more evident. And you just, you mentioned something earlier, Manjuri, about it, it's enabling you know the the TA world to have a seat at the table. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been that's actually been the driving force uh, for 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 brand for personal brands in TA it used to be called recruitment you know <laughs> yes. and 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 now talent yes. has has become a much wider yep. stance in business recruitment is one part of talent mm-hmm. and people don't just own recruitment now or you know we're, we're seeing a lot more roles where talent owns HR has become probably more compliance led more yep. of the legal aspect of people talent owns everything else talent development talent engagement talent um talent acquisition um uh, all, all of these topics are, are starting to become a lot more broader within the talent world and so that's why the, the the seat at the table is is getting more prominent yes um and so now that we're getting a seat at the table our voice is becoming louder mm-hmm. and i think that's what people are really trying to to develop their personal brand for, I think. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, um, uh, Harry Rex, what is super important here is um, the personal brand has to, and I can't iterate this less or more. Yeah. The personal brand has to somewhere mirror your own authenticity. Yeah. For example, when we talk about magnetic leaders, and it can be from any industry, mm. just need me from TA or sales. A- absolutely. Even in tech, right? When you yep. look at hiring a VP of product or a VP of tech, you would love that leader to be magnetic, magnetic enough yeah. that people follow and actually join your organization or join the product, uh, product or join the cause that this leader stands for. Yeah. That can happen 50% because of your brand, but it'll not stand if you don't have that 50% of true leadership and authentic leadership, sure. etc. Et so that's super important. So there would be some people who respect you, follow you, and I do that as well with some leaders who yeah. are probably super quiet, but they're great leaders in their space, right? Mm. And if you have a leader who's visible plus a great leader, then it's double the double the fun. But if you have a somebody who's super visible, mm. who's out there, but is not a great leader, is not living and walking the talk on this side. I think that's a pitfall that we need to be really... Uh, it's really interesting. Do you think, you know, could it even form part of your talent acquisition plans if you've got, like, you know, really aggressive growth plans on... Um, on Because employer branding is, is you know, 
it should simply incorporate personal branding for the leaders of, of yeah. departments in which you're you're looking for long term growth. So if you if you're for example, um, you you have lot large growth plans across your tech tech teams, then should should businesses be investing in their VP of engineering CTO? It, to, to grow their personal brand Absolutely. because that's going to form part of that TA. Absolutely. And we we actually do that. And uh, there's something that our uh, head of employer brand and person who works with the take care of. So we have mm. this community, especially for tech, because that's where, you know, it's uh, super hard to find people and hire people, as all yeah. of us know in yeah. this room. Um, so when we look at uh, leaders, and our first focus is on women leaders in tech as well, yeah. Uh, where we want to nudge that yes, we'll give you the platform. Mm. You can pitch in this uh, uh, this you know write up for the next conference that mm. we are going to. We'll help you as well. So you will mm. you'll uh, provide a session on how to do this talk, etc. Mm. So help you build that brand. Um, of course, you need to be ready to at least go on the stage and yeah. But otherwise, we are ready to support and, and coach and guide and mentor. On. I think it's something that we even recognize and try to do with our partnerships. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're, when we, you know, start a, a partnership and the particular there is a particular job family like finance or engineering where yeah. a lot of the hires need to be made. One of the first things we do is look at what, what are those leaders doing, like how visible uh, you know, right. publicly are they? Yeah. Because, you know. The response from outreach is just so much higher if you have a leader that has had like a spotlight piece of editorial content written on them. Mm-hmm. They're posting stuff about, uh, you know, personal interest. Mm-hmm. They're curating mm-hmm. some professional content. That that just just makes it so much easier to yeah. hire because I think candidates, mm-hmm. um, if they're comparing two potential bosses and one of them is just an email address, potentially has a blank LinkedIn profile. And then the other one, they say, oh, you know, this person, he's funny, he's engaging, <laughs> he's witty, he's clever, yeah, got yeah. he's controversial, he's got a personality. But it's, right. Yeah, but, right. Also, but oh, look, they're also posting about all this other interesting professional stuff yeah. that I'm looking at too. They're, they're naturally gravitating towards working yep. for that person yep. more than the other. And, fair, and, and super fair, right? In tech, you can actually have what we just spoke about in personal branding, this happens even on GitHub. This happens on For Stack. Sure, yeah. we've, we've had so many times people, I, I remember even doing... It's really interesting. I didn't think about that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember a candidate saying that I would love to... Our CTO at that time was Eric Bowman for Zalando. And uh, when I reached out to this person, uh, he said yes and brought him into the interview. My first interview, I said, general question I ask everyone. Everyone, uh, what made you say yes, you know, to just figure out even my reach out is good or not? And he said, well, uh, you know, I've, uh, I'd love to work with Eric. Um, he's actually helped me out on some of my solutions when I ask questions on Stack. And wow. that's how when I saw that, because we used to mention a blog from Eric and, and talk about this, I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Then, cool. was like, then I spread the word, all right, all right, okay, the yeah. this. And, yeah, so this, this is how even... We don't see it visibly. No, because our platform is LinkedIn. Exactly. But, yeah. you know, code, you know, anyone in development, their platforms are GitHub, Stack Overflow. Exactly, but they see and it as branding. And if they're exchanging and communicating with, through those platforms, that's developing. Right. Or, that you know, some if you're just simply writing some awesome code in there and then, you know, some engineering people are going to, aspire to to work with someone that that writes really cool code yeah because we used to sometimes get uh these nudges from uh the engineering leaders saying 
hey, probably you might want to reach out to this person. I saw a great solution from from this ah, person. brilliant. Yeah, I think you probably also you have to think about the audience as well. So you might have um, someone who's more than happy to make a lot of their code repositories public yeah. than uh, go and speak at a conference in front of an Absolutely. audience. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, talking about speaking, what would be your top tips on how? Because I'm awful. I hate public speaking. <laughs> You're great. Come on. I hate public speaking. Rex does, Rex does our public speaking. Um, but um, what's your top tips on on how to be successful as a as a public speaker? Uh, three tips: practice, practice, practice. Really, um, just do more. Do do more. Do just more. do more. The the mirror trick works. So when you practice yeah. your talk in front of the mirror when you are alone at home, that really really helps as well. So That's I think it's it's putting in in the practice. Yeah. You know what's what you're good with. Are you good with having your notes right in front of you during you your talk? Are you good with scrolling uh, on the phone? Memorizing you? exactly. Whatever. So if you whatever whichever is good for you, ensure that you double down on that. Eat. And okay. if possible, if you do have, uh, you know, so sometimes when you go to conferences, of course, in our with being in recruitment, TA talent, you will have someone that you know in the in the audience, right? So those are those spaces that you can lean on if you get stressed. If you're in a in a known kind of setup or, okay, you know some people in there, then that's the face to look at because you know that that person will smile at you and yeah. relax for a second. If not, the best trick that I follow with new audiences and if it's actually more than 50 or 100, then just look beyond. Do not look really, beyond. Yeah. Just look beyond and you never feel because however... If uh, someone's looking at you like scolding. <laughs> oh, God, it's going wrong. Just look beyond. And the worst uh, thing that I've heard, but it works, if you forget something, is uh, number one, wing it because no one else knows what you're going to plan, what For what sure, were yeah. you talking about, you know, what was your line after that. So wing it yourself uh, and be super confident by while winging it. And the second thing is, if you get very stressed, just imagine everyone in the room is naked. <laughs> the best place. I read that for a best man speech. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was, I think, that was my line. I, I actually used that in the speech, and then said, "And the bridesmaids are looking beautiful." Oh my god! Okay, that's a cut, 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 edit, edit. I, de- I definitely, for me, I can't help it, but I naturally will focus on two or three people in the audience, and it doesn't matter how many people are in the room. I'm actually speaking to those two or three people, but it tends to be quite at random and pretty much based on where they're sat and the ones that mm-hmm. look happy. Yes. <laughs> So, if you want to look at the ones that like are bored or don't want yeah, to be there, then you're gonna God. you're gonna you're gonna spiral. Aren't you? First one is when it's when you when you have a gig right after lunch, and you definitely have some yeah. of those eyes looking at you like this because they want to just close their eyes. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to do those events. Do you um do you have you ever do you would you think about planting people in the audience with questions? Oh, so um... that you got you know just to get you a bit of. Pretend a, bit a bit of motivation, so you know that this question is going to be coming up, so that you can, you know what how to answer it. Well, I haven't really done that for conferences, but of course, at at work in some of the webinars, You've, yeah. you know that because you would want to get some questions asked anyways to and get fill people exactly, comfortable, exactly, yeah. more so. Um, yeah. Let me think if if ever. No, I think no, never plant planted or something. No. But yeah, maybe uh, for a fireside, of course. So when yeah. you do a fireside chat, 
then you open up for Q&A and we, you will park two or three questions with the uh, person who's coordinating the fireside chat. Yes. And the fillers come. Just to create some conversation. Exactly. Anything, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Till people can think about and sometimes even the audience takes a bit of time, right? So Yeah. Cool. So um, as a closing tradition, we ask um, our guests to write a random question for the next guest. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, this, the question was written, what area of work in the people space will be most affected by the rise of AI? And that's what I thought till now. We've spoken for about 40, 45 minutes and we didn't have the word AI thrown. I know, right? no one said. <laughs> it's about people, <laughs> connection, network. Exactly. Just imagine, we just saw one portion where AI may not have that much work. It will have work. Um, it's interesting that this question came up because I just read an article about two days ago this article spoke about, it was a very tactical article on percentage-wise, which area of HR will be impacted. So it said okay. um, 10 to 20%, uh, somewhere around with everything, which is branding and marketing, because mm-hmm. you can, of course, have your messages, channeling, et cetera, yep. done uh, with the help of AI, with your leads. Uh, it, it was very interesting when it came to core recruitment. There's a lot of stuff outside core recruitment, mm-hmm. which probably has a higher impact. Yep. Um, but core recruitment was 5 to 10%. Really? And it that was really interesting to me. There were other aspects talk, that talked about learning. Of course, you can automate a lot of it. Yep. Um, we've, we are already, uh, we've already launched our own plus one AI coach for manager excellence, manager development, yep. you know, Alex recently. Uh, we are testing out Rhetorio, which is a situational leadership tool, again, AI-based. So from that, it talked about anywhere between 10 to uh, 20 to 30% on most of the fields. Recruitment was 5 to 10%. Interestingly, now if we look at the parts to it, of course, you have the world of job descriptions, which yeah. is augmented writing, so etc. Like admin. Admin, yeah. So the, a role. lot of the admin, yes already has or definitely in the next one or two years will move to um, AI embedded solutions. However, the part where it comes to um, human reach outs, the part when it comes to interviewing for mass or really volume positions, we already have AI tools which are helping out. However, when you- Nurturing and sequencing and things like that. Exactly. But you're talking about the niche areas, you would still have that human interview with the human. Because even when you ask candidates, even now, when we ask candidates that you want to um, look at the first stage as your coding challenge in, in engineering, they rather not. They would rather talk to the uh, people manager or the interviewer. They were fine and very happy to do a live coding, but not just running through a coding challenge, sitting somewhere, yeah. etc. Yeah. So I think there's a portion, a chunk of it, which is very human-centric. Yeah. And that human-centric will continue for some time, yes, the admin aspect outside periphery of recruiting will definitely move to this embedded bit. There's loads of things, like you say, job descriptions that can be... Of course. You know, yeah. Recruiters yeah. hate doing it, so they're happy for AI to take, yeah. take care of it. hate doing it, recruiters yeah. hate doing it. So all those sundry, random stuff that is on the periphery will definitely yeah. uh, move more I've to seen the some uh, couple of uh, people just for, uh, you know, for fun have created some AI interviewing tools. I don't know if you've seen them. It's like an AI-generated person on a mm. on a Google Meet. Yeah. So he's trying to replicate that. I can't see that we really tried, taking o- 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 taking tried, off. Uh, we tried that. It can, uh, it, well, for me, it was very creepy because when we were trialing it, <laughs> you can sync, you can lip sync with it. 
Ah, so you can be in, you know, Harry, it can be you, but I can ask those questions. And that is scary, folks. I okay. don't want my interview. It's like deep fake eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're interviewing me, I want you to look into your eye and yeah. talk to you, not to, not in, uh, to an avatar, right? So that's, yeah, that's, no, that's a little bit creepy there. But yeah, people are trialing all kinds of things. I don't think that will take off. And also, I think we've seen a lot of uh, attempts at, at automation yep. in recruitment that, that haven't necessarily been massively successful because there is a people element. When you're moving your career... You, you want that connection with somebody in that business. If it's if it's an avatar, are you really going to develop that connection with it with an organization yeah. to, to move your career to? I'm not sure. I think I think if we're talking about all people topics, um I would say that there are other areas of admin outside of talent acquisition that are yeah. probably more ripe for very, it. very, like, very yeah. For me, I think things like um visa eligibility. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, I think it would be easier from an admin perspective to have like um, AI that was able to like scan an application for eligibility and then make a suggestion about process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, it would be really difficult because it would have to be country specific, yeah, everything like that. But um, even people analytics, now that you're saying this, a lot of that is about big data. What, yeah. Where does AI really work well? It's big data. Big right? data, so yeah, for sure. A lot of people data in your organization. Today, you would have probably a team of five, six people in that bucket. Now, with the help of AI, that's where I think we can really infer a super fast speed, not leaning on monthly reports, yeah. but yeah. rather saying... Real-time analytics. Real-time analytics. Yeah. That is a... That is something that um, I haven't seen a lot of products looking into it at the moment, but that's an area... I would like to see AI really improve workforce planning. Yeah. I feel like it's... Uh, it's all about... The, it's, there's too much guessing work with, yes. with workforce planning and actually, you know, AI can certainly improve the way in which, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the machine learning systems can understand where a business wants to get to and how we're going to Correct. get there yes. is removing any biases of the person that's going, we're going to need six people <laughs> here, you know, like, yeah. and, and how we can do that. I think that, that would be a really cool. Like, like you're saying, cool use the, the cool use of AI for workforce planning is the forward planning and being able to predict, um, like where global team. economic changes, even, Forecast. you know, you can even use AI to, to, to analyze, the uh, the economic situation to to change workforce plans potentially yeah it there's um there's there's a lot like uh, early uh, Rex you also mentioned you know the everything which is admin even from recruiting perspective um, JDs people don't like to write it yeah. managers don't like to write it uh, scorecards that's another thing yeah. so I think we have a uh, I've heard of a product called Meta Meta View maybe so, yeah we, we attended some of some webinar with the with this uh, organization and. Uh, it's pretty much scripting, and they do a very good job of uh, writing out your scorecard. It can also segment it. So if you want uh, things to be based on your culture or values in your scorecard, it gets segmented easily. You don't have to wait for those 48 hours and keep nudging your hiring manager, etc. That's another thing that... Uh, oh, I saw, I saw someone post the other day to say um, when you're doing your scorecard, you can just simply... Type your notes because when you're on an on a screening call, mm -hmm. your notes can be pretty rough. Yeah, and then you just add the add those notes into ChatGPT, and then they give and then it, a... and then just say, can you can you write the formal sentences 
um, for this was for an interview for a candidate for X for Y blah blah blah, mm. and it it basically produces notes for you and also scan for bias. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's really um really interesting. Definitely those administrative parts. What we really want recruiters doing is talking to people. Exactly. Is finding and headhunting and spending their time in those areas of recruitment that cannot be done by a right. by a, a machine um, and when i say scan for bias in a scorecard it's not so that you can basically rewrite it so you can actually challenge your own feedback score for sure mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and and recognize that actually this maybe this might be unconscious bias maybe this isn't fair uh fair feedback yeah yeah really that's interesting that, that's an interesting thing for sure. so yeah Fantastic so very, insight very, there. Yeah. Very interesting world. That it's almost know. like you came prepared for that question, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just so happened to read an article. This wasn't there. Um, so I think that's that's up. That's a wrap, isn't it? Yeah. So um, thank you so much for uh, for allowing us into your amazing office. To thank record, you. Uh, thank this you this fantastic here. episode. We don't want to leave. Yeah, <laughs> too nice. Yeah, we're only stopping because Manjuri's got a call in five minutes. So um, we'll we'll wrap up now. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Work from home, and so we asked. We said, "What what keeps you from coming to the office, or what would make you come back?" Any interesting? I was talking about this in another podcast because we yeah. we had a conversation about this, and yeah. I remember you saying your expectation was like, "Oh, you want a pool table and." A games room, but no, it was actually way more logical, right? Oh, absolutely. Quiet space was a big one that came up, right? Which quiet one? space, quiet space to be able to work. And, and prayer room, yeah. Really? There, there were people who said they needed to pray several times a day, and that's why they stayed home. And since we have the prayer room, they come all the time. 